0: Good morning. Um, we're going to continue our series about, um, and I still don't know how to, what to, how to pronounce what this is up here. Burdensome, unburdensome, not burdensome. Burdensome, no, something like that. Um, <laughs> but we're continuing our series series on how the commands of God are not burdensome. God didn't come here to lay a yoke on us that is so heavy that we can't bear it. Jesus didn't die so that we would be put into bondage and to be burdened beyond our capacity. And so we're going to talk about a scripture that I think is one of those that uh, looks really burdensome. Let's, Let's just get right into it. Matthew 5, chapter 23 or chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. So what you're saying to me, Jesus is that I am doing the most holy thing as a Jew who is, you know, coming to the temple. Maybe I don't even live in Jerusalem, but I've made my trek to the temple with my offering, and you're telling me I am here at the altar ready to give my gift, and because somebody back home, I remember we're squabbling over something. You're telling me I've got to drop everything and go home and fix it you really want me to just stop our worship do you really want me to just drop everything what if they don't even what if they don't even remember what the problem was what if they don't want to forgive me what if it doesn't do any good is my reconciliation with my brother who you know i just happen to offend some kind of way Is it that important? Is it really that important? You see, this idea, or this this activity of going and presenting your gift at the altar, this was of utmost importance to to a practicing, worshiping Hebrew. Remember when Jesus met the woman at the well... You know what her initial question was? Which altar do I go to? This, this, is the most, this is a lady who is having marital problems, who's had multiple marriages, whose life is just not great in a lot of ways. But her question to a person that she perceived was a prophet from God was not, God, how do I fix my life? It was, which Altar do I take my gift to? Which one is the right one to go to? This was important stuff to them. This was like the, the, the pinnacle of what you could do unless you were a Levite and were somehow serving in the priesthood. This was the pinnacle of what you could do as just an everyday Jewish citizen of of the country was to go and present your offering to god it was your way of re- of having a relationship with him but jesus as he did so many times on the sermon on the mount because this is where this passage comes from, comes from turned everything that they thought on its head Everything that they thought was important, Jesus said, "No, you got it all wrong. You're looking at this from the back door. Let me show you what the big important thing that you were try- that I was trying to show you in the first place is." And He said, "No, you go. You're presenting your gift at the altar. You're doing this super important, uh, just." amazing thing that you think is the most important thing in the world but you and your neighbor are fighting over where your fence got installed you go home and take care of that first and we think i really have i've got to do that but that's going to be uncomfortable that's going to be an awkward situation i don't want to do that We're already going to, you know, in mediation over, how am I, what am I supposed to do here? How do I fix this? But I'm supposed to just stop what I'm doing, what this good thing that I'm doing, this wonderful, holy thing that I'm doing, I've got to stop that? You see, Jesus is our example of reconciliation. Some of the scriptures that I'm going to reference are scriptures that if you were paying attention during the communion, it was a little hard to read, but they were up there, um, talked about Jesus being our example of reconciliation. Romans 5, verse 10. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Much more... Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Colossians 1, verses 22, 20 and 22, through 22. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven... And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If Jesus is our example of how to reconcile, what does that tell you about how important it is? What does that tell you about how costly it is Reconciliation cost God something Reconciliation cost Jesus everything Reconciliation is hard. Reconciliation is inconvenient. Reconciliation is usually not our first priority. No, our first priority, most of the time, is to keep the peace. You ever heard... Of the, the, you, if you know anything about like international politics and military and whatnot, you know that there's, you have countries that are in turmoil and we send in UN peacekeepers or some country sends in a peacekeeping force. You ever noticed that peacekeepers usually have guns that they're carrying around? And they're heavily body-armored? Because there's a difference in what Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Mount when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, versus what we as humans talk about and experience as peacekeepers. See, a peacekeeper goes into a situation that's tense where there's a conflict and says, stop. Stop this fighting. I'm sure all you parents are familiar with that phrase. Stop. Just be quiet. Just leave each other alone. A peacemaker comes into a situation and says, how do we fix this? How do I change how I relate to you or how you relate to them? How do we bring us together and restore a relationship where the fighting stops, where the conflict ends? A peacekeeper, when they leave, the fighting just starts back up again. A peacemaker, when they leave, the reason for the fighting is gone. It's over. We are called to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. We are called to restore relationships, we are called to live in community. Jeremiah 6 verse 14 is a a good illustration, I think, of this idea of, of peacemaking, or peacekeeping rather, being just unsatisfactory. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. God is not satisfied with just glossing over the dirt, the ugly parts. God is not satisfied with people just begrudgingly living near one another. He wants us to dwell with one another, to live in community with each other, for our lives to be bound together. And that's hard. That takes more effort. It's real easy to send. You know why we send peacekeeping forces into places? Because it takes some effort and some finesse and somebody with some willingness to sacrifice to go into a situation and make peace. But it just takes a greater threat to come in and keep peace. You see, reconciliation is uncomfortable. It requires us to give up something. It's not convenient. It requires us to go outside of our comfort zone and do things that we didn't want to do or there wouldn't have been the conflict in the first place. Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Think back just a few moments ago when we talked about Christ as our example of reconciliation and then superimpose that idea in your mind in this verse where it says, just as God in Christ Jesus has also forgiven you. How did God in Christ forgive you? How did he do it? He did it by giving the most important thing to him. Up. And allowing him to die on a cross. Allowing, as Josh so eloquently put it, or and as the Bible actually so eloquently put it, but Josh reminded us of, that... The wrath of God was focused upon Jesus. The wrath that we deserved. It was costly. It was hard. It was uncomfortable. Jesus didn't even want to do it. He said, God, if there's any other way, let's do it some other way. But reconciliation was important. Restoring relationship was of utmost importance to God. And so when we read this passage and we say, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you, think about what it means to be kind to one another. How important is it for us to be kind to each other? How important is it it for us to forgive each other? It's It's important enough that we ought to be willing to give up whatever it is that's standing in our way in order to maintain, to reconcile, to restore those relationships. Because that's what God did for you. You see... We were not made to live in isolation. God didn't create us that way. You've heard the phrase, no man is an island. I don't know if you've ever experienced somebody like this, but you know, you, it's almost a cliche to, to have that guy who lives up in the mountains and only comes down for supplies or whatever every six months. You know, it's not because he's, or it's not, he's not such a wonderful, likable guy. He's not the, the sharpest tack sometimes. You go kind of nuts when you live that way because you're depriving yourself of something that God has designed you for. But you don't have to go up in the mountains to experience it. You can sit right in the middle seat of a pew at church and live alone. God designed us for community. Think about the creation story. God, as he's going through the days of creation, creates one thing and then another. And in Genesis 1, in verse 26, on the sixth day of creation, he says, let us make man in our image. There's a lot of things that that might mean. There's a lot of ways that us being made in his image can be applied and understood. One way I'd like to present to you for your consideration this morning is that God, by the very nature of who He is, is Trinity. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He lives perpetually in community with Himself. Perpetually. And in creation... When he created man, and when he created you, he said, Let us make man like us. You were designed to live in community. God is community and you were made to be just the same not only with him but with each other romans 12 and verse 5 says so we who are many are one body in christ and individually members one of another our unity within the body our unity with each other is a reflection of of the unity within God. When I am one with you, when we are one together, we are doing a most holy thing. When we are living in community, communing with each other, not living in the same cul-de-sac or something like that, but we're talking about really living, being in each other's lives, being in each other's hearts, maintaining strong bonds and good relationships with each other, then we are reflecting God Himself. We are truly living as if we are made in His image. This was important. This this idea of us being one with each other was important. The night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he was tried, Jesus said a prayer. And he prayed for our unity. John 17, verses 20 through 21. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, speaking of His disciples that were with Him, but for those also who believe in Me through their word, that's us, that they may all be one. Even as You, Father, are in Me and I in You, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that You sent Me. Jesus' prayer reflects the value he places on our unity. And it it expresses one of the purposes of our unity. Remember the scripture that says that they will know us, they will know them by their love for each other. Our identity as a group, as Christians, if you claim the name Christian and you don't love each other, then what are you doing? If you expect to exist in the body of Christ, and there is somebody within this body, within this room perhaps, with which you don't have a relationship, with which you don't have a bond of some kind, with which you don't feel like you could even really maintain any kind of relationship, maybe there's a grudge being held, Maybe they've done something to offend you. Maybe you've done something to offend them. Jesus says that's not, that's not how it works. You want the world to know that you're, that you are one with Jesus. You got to be one with each other. You see reconciliation is part of our worship. Reconciliation is part of our service. It's part of living a life in submission to each other and to God. 1 John verse 4 or chapter 4 and verse 20 man I'm tripping over my words today. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's starting to open my eyes a little bit why Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and go. How much do you think God would value our worship if we go and lay our gift at the altar when we have something against our brother? John said, you can't love God if you've got something against your brother. You can't do it. You're a liar if you say you can. And we all know what happens to liars, right? I don't, I'm not going to sing you the song. If you claim to love God, but you cannot maintain a relationship with your brother, if you hold a grudge against your brother, if you are not living connected with your family, then you don't love God. What you are saying is not true. 1 John 1, verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He's got three concepts or so that he's kind of tying together in this passage. First of all, our walk. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. In the end, he says, he, he cleanses, he uh, brings in this idea of the cleansing blood of Jesus and cleansing us from our sins. So our forgiveness is tied to this. If we're walking like we should be walking, then not just are we going to be forgiven of our sins, but if we're walking like we should be walking, we're going to be fellowship together. We're going to be in fellowship with each other. You can't have one and disregard the other thing. It, it's not an either-or situation. You walk in the light and pick and choose what you get from, those, from one from Ben A and one from Ben B. It's not how it works. If we are truly walking in the light, if we are submitting ourselves and living the righteous life that God has called us to live, then, then we will be in fellowship with each other. If we're not in fellowship with each other, then I question whether or not we're walking in the light. And unfortunately, that means that I question whether or not the blood of Jesus is cleansing us. This is important stuff. So we say, well, Jesus, do I have to leave my gift at the altar? Yes. Yes, you do. But it's for your own good. Reconciliation is about bringing us into community with each other. Reconciliation is about bringing us into community with God. Reconciliation is about freeing us from the the burdens that we impose upon ourselves and allowing us to live the life that God intended for us to live. Allowing us to live the way we were created in fellowship and in community with each other. I'm not usually one to try something different in church. If you know me, you probably knew that already. We have an opportunity that if we wanted to, we could sing an invitation song. And Daniel, if you want to lead an invitation song while we do this, we, that, that might make it more comfortable for people, I guess. But what I'd like to do is for us to maybe, while we stand up, as we're standing up, To sing this song. I want you to think about the people in this room. I want you to think about the people outside of this room. The people that you claim are your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to really examine yourself. Because we're coming here to sing praises to our God. We're laying our gift at the altar here today. And I want you to think about, am I coming to the altar with something against my brother? Am I holding a grudge? Does somebody have something against me? Is there a brokenness in our community that I can do something about? And while we sing the song, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to stop singing if that's the case. I want you to pull out your phone if you need to. I want you to walk across the room if you need to. I want you to start right now and say, I will not continue living unreconciled. I will not lay my gift at the altar when my brother has something against me. Because it's not just about the things, how good we can sing and how much praise we can give. Giving gifts at the altar was good. It was commanded. It was obeying the Lord. It was submission to him. But Jesus said, no, you stop that. And you do the thing that's important first. You fix the way you're living. You fix the community you live in. You fix the body first. So that you can lay your gift at the altar. Unburdened. I'm going to turn it over to Daniel. Thank you.